Thanks for tuning in on our Canyon Hills San Luis Obispo podcast. Wherever you're tuning in from, we pray you're encouraged by the message. The Bible says in the book of Luke, chapter 17, verse 11, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priest. And so it was as they went that they were cleansed. So it was as they went, they were cleansed. Do you guys know me? I love little things in the Bible. As they, they went. Not just in the spot, but as they went. It's not part of the message here today, but I think it's worth noting sometimes that's how healing works. It's that we receive from Jesus his word that you are healed, but sometimes it's as we go that the healing takes place. As they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, say one, not two, not three, not four, not nine, just one of them. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Today, if you're taking notes, I'd like to speak to you from the subject of be different, be thankful. Be different, I'll make sense of it, be thankful. Would you bow your heads, would you close your eyes? Father, help in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise as we're seated here this morning? Thank you, Omar. Worship team, thank you so much. Seven things to be thankful for. Number one, automatic dishwashers. They make it possible to get out of the kitchen before the family comes in for their after-dinner snacks. Number two, husbands who attack small repair jobs around the house. They usually make them big enough to call in the professionals. Number three, the bathtub, the one and only place that mom gets some time to herself. Unless you live in the shepherd household and fingers can fit underneath the door. Number four, children who put away their things and clean up after themselves. There's such a joy. You hate to see them go home to their own parents. Number five, gardening. It's a relief to deal with the dirt outside the house for a change. I like this next one because I'm getting ready to enter this land. Teenagers. They give parents an opportunity. To, <laughs> I had to pause here. I'm sorry. I had to laugh. They give parents the opportunity to learn a second language. And number seven, smoke alarms. It lets you know the turkey's done. Thanksgiving week. Man, I love, I love Thanksgiving. Um, let's, just, let's just call it straight. Who loves Thanksgiving for the food? Show of hands. All right, hands down. Who loves Thanksgiving for the football? Show of hands. 
Uh, we have a Chiefs fan sitting one, two, three, four rows back. Uh, we have another Raiders fan sitting right over there. And if you don't know about us Raiders fans, we are violent, we are dangerous, but we won't do anything because we're godly people. But if you are a Dallas Cowboys fan, any Dallas Cowboys fans in the room? Oh, man. And you're married to a Raiders fan, correct? Man, Thanksgiving is going to be tough this year. If you're a Raiders fan and you don't know, we're playing the Cowgirls, so it's going to be a good day. Um, but I love Thanksgiving for the food. I, I love it for football, man. It makes the world go around, especially if you're like in a place where it's kind of hard to have a conversation with people. I don't have that problem where I go, <laughs> I get two Thanksgivings every single year, one on Thanksgiving day, and then we get what's called Thanksmas the next day in a complete other location with another set of food. And it is awesome. It is glorious. Um, I need to go on a, it just, it's good. Anyways, moving on. I love it for the food. I love it for the football. I love it for the family. I like being together with friends. It's always a, a good time. I've noticed, maybe you have too, maybe I'm not the only one though, that thankfulness and the attitude of being thankful really kind of gets reserved in a big way for one day of the year when it should be something that is multiplied 365 days of the year. It's actually a part of what God would want us to display. And it is this idea that every single day that we live, breathe, and walk this earth, we all have a reason to be thankful. If we sat down today with a piece of paper and wrote down all of the things that upset us, frustrate us, and then wrote down a list of all the things that we're thankful for, I'm convinced if we really took the time to do so and really thought it through that this list of what we're thankful for would be much larger than the things that aggravate us. And everybody said, amen. amen. Now, for some of you, you had a hard time saying amen right there. You were kind of gritting it through your teeth. You would. You would have so much more to be thankful for. One of the things that I do very often, and it pains me sometimes when I swap out phones, when I don't do things right, is I keep a lot of pictures on my phone. Anybody take a lot of pictures and keep them on your phone? Uh, anybody ever had that heartbreak moment where you updated your phone or you got a new phone and they couldn't transfer that over and you felt like your life was over for two weeks, right? You ever felt that? Um, I've, I've felt that before. But the reason why I love this is because a lot of times when I'm struggling or having a hard day or I'm wondering about something, it's amazing how I could just grab my phone, flip all the way up to the top and be reminded of all the great things that life has brought along the way to be thankful for. Matter of fact, I'd encourage you today, if you keep a lot of pictures on your phone or on your computer, take some time maybe today or this week in the week of Thanksgiving and just grab your phone and start to flip through and be reminded of all of the great memories and the great moments that God Almighty himself has gifted you with. The Bible says that all good things come from you. Oh, does it? Oh, you guys were sharp today. I heard a uh-uh right away. All good things come from your family. All good things come from your spouse. All good things come from your job. All good things come from the money in your account. All the good things, none of it comes from that. The Bible says all good things come from above. They come from God. So every great thing that you have in your life is because God is a good God and he loves you. You understand that? So you have a lot to be thankful for. I'm kind of trying to really put the case in for this idea because then we're going to cement it with this story. Looking at Luke chapter 7, we see 10 men that are afflicted in one of the worst ways that you could be afflicted. Leprosy of that day, even of today, 
is incurable. It's revolting. Leprosy of that day would mean that if you had it or any type of sickness, that you would actually be cut off from your family. You'd be cut off from friends. In other words, people would look at you and if they would see leprosy on you in that day, especially because of the time, they would say it was because of sin in your life or the sin of your parents. So therefore, you were an outcast when it came to being in a city. So imagine for a moment having a disease that is completely incurable. You can't cure it. And now you've got nobody else who wants to be around you. Nobody wants to talk with you. No one wants to give you a bro hug on Sunday morning. No, no one wants to, wants to invite you over for dinner. You're an outcast. You have to understand how bad this was, was because if you understand what Jesus does for these guys, it is a, it's a complete game changer without trying to use a corny phrase all the time. It's a game changer. Because up until this point, we don't know how old these guys were. We don't know how long they've battled with it, but they, they had it. If you had leprosy, the only option was to sit back and to watch your body rot away. They had a term for them in those days and they were known as the, the walking dead because there was no hope. So Luke's gospel tells us that when Jesus was passing by, these lepers begin to cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So Jesus hears them and he tells them in verse 14, go and show yourself to the priest. And the same verse goes on to say that as they went, they were cleansed. It's a tremendous story. But here's the reason why Jesus tells the story. Let's go back to verse 15. It says, and, and one of them, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he returned. And with a loud voice, he glorified God. He fell down on his face, at his feet, giving him thanks. Notice the outward expression of this one guy upon understanding that God Almighty himself has healed him. Remember, he's in despair. He's isolated. No one cares. So it's not just coming back, just saying, okay, hey, God, thank you very much. It is such an outward expression as he bows down on the ground at the feet of Jesus and simply says, thank you. He's a Samaritan. Jesus knows the audience around him. So Jesus answered and said, where there are not 10, but where are the other nine? Where there are not any found who return to give glory to God except this foreigner. Here's what I want you to hear. Here's what I want you to understand. Jesus's emotional response to the ingratitude of nine lepers gives us a glimpse into the heart of God. It helps us understand God. William Barclay wrote this. He says, no story in all the gospels so permanently shows man's ingratitude like the lepers in Luke 17. The lepers came to Jesus with desperate longing. He cured them and nine of them never came back to give thanks. He goes on to say this. So often, once a man has got what he wants, he never comes back. That is so powerful. Now, I don't think that's the case for everyone. But isn't it amazing that when things are great and things are good, there's not an often of 
thank you, God. That's why I think gratitude is a, a daily thing. That's why I would encourage you that if you have a morning prayer, I know for me, um, the way that I'm wired, I have a morning prayer. And it's always the same. It's actually, it was a lot of fun to kind of put together, to be honest with you. If you've never done it before, it's powerful. I could show you how to do that. But giving thanks to God every single day helps you realize that it is God who's done it all and not you. So often, when a man has what he wants, he never comes back. What does the Bible say about thankfulness? Psalm 92, verse 1. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. To wake up in the morning and say, God, thank you for your love. To end your day saying, God, thank you for your faithfulness. Colossians 2, 6, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Colossians 4, 2, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it, watch here, with, what's that word? Thanksgiving. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious of nothing but in everything, in everything, in everything, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God with thanksgiving. Man, I tell you, that's just a glimpse of the scriptures. Thanking God. Now, I'm looking around this place and we have parents in the room. Some of your parents, or I'm sorry, some of your kids, some of your kids have up and moved on. I see grandparents in here. I see married folk in here. I see single people in here. I think in some way, whether it's kids or people in general, we all know what it's like to do something nice for someone. Could we all agree? Cool. You ever done something really nice for someone and never got a thank you? Now let's pause. How'd that make you feel? And what I'm saying is that sometimes there's things that we do for people that we don't want to thank you. I'm talking about the one that you specifically did it for them. And it's not that you necessarily need it, but it's the right thing. And they said nothing to you. How'd you feel? Hurt? Like you did your part? Man, a lot of mixed emotions, right? Had somebody ever done something for you? And you forget to say thank you. Cool. All in the same boat. I love being all in the same boat, by the way. <laughs> Makes the sting go away just a little bit, right? Why do we fall into ungratefulness? Maybe not you, but maybe someone you know, but why does people, why do people fall into a place of being ungrateful to where it's not a daily habit, a daily discipline in their lives? They just follow into it. If you're taking notes, the first thing is affluence. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, Now godliness without contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and certainly we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we should all be content. That's pretty simple right there. Do you have food and do you have clothing? Be content. But those who desire to be rich, they fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction 
For the love of money is the root of all evil, all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. John D. Rockefeller said this, says, how much money does it take to satisfy a man? His reply, just a little more. You see, in our heirs, or it's in our heirs, that when we feel that we have all that we need, there's nothing to be thankful for until it's all taken away. Deuteronomy 8.18, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gave you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms it with this covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Now, let's not just talk about money. Let's just talk about stuff. Psalm 24.1, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. I know I've said this before, but I think it's worth repeating. Everything's God's, right? Please don't get quiet on me. You guys know me. You could either talk about money one or two ways. You could either be very timid and not be bold on God's word, or you can be bold and loving and shoot straight. I like the second one because I want God's best for your life. Got no, no part in the agenda here. But what happens is, and I've been here too, when things are really great and when I think I have all I need, I tend to forget that, wait a minute, it was God who gave me the ability to gain this. And this is actually just stuff. Look at your neighbors say, it's just stuff. It's just stuff. That's why at Thanksgiving, people just want to be with their family most of the time, <laughs> most of the time, right? Some of you should not be looking that way right now. <laughs> Things that are more important. But can I just shoot straight like I always do? Anything that you have, it's the Lord's. It's not yours. Thank him for it. You say, well, I worked hard. He gave you the breath so you could work. Everything is God's. And that's why if it leaves your life, it should not change your countenance. It should not change your confidence. It should not dictate your joy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tap into this a little bit. If money comes or money goes, it should not change you. Because God designed money to go through you. You all got quiet again. It's not even a tithing message, guys, I promise. You understand what I'm saying? If it's not money, it's stuff. So let's say you have stuff. Let's just change it. Let's just say you already use the money to buy the stuff that you want. Okay, great. But if your neighbor needs it and you don't, do you have the generous heart that gives it? See, God wants to bless through you. That's how his kingdom works. So what happens is, is people become ungrateful because they think they get everything that they need and they have what they have and they just kind of, ah, no, 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 God gave it. What's the second reason? It's pride. A lot of people are ungrateful because of, of pride. Psalm 10, 4, in his pride, the wicked do not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. Well, I don't need God. I did this on my own. Uh-oh. See, Pride manifests itself when we somehow think that all the blessings we enjoy are because of our ability and our strength. I love, I love this quote. I don't know who said it. There's like five different people who quoted it on the internet. 
no one gets the credit. You can't be grateful for something you feel entitled to. Ouch. That's a tough one. Well, I'm entitled to that. No, you're not. Well, they got it. Well, you're not them. When you live with a, a, you guys love me, I love you. Before I say this next line. (laughs) When you live with the pride complex, you feel like everybody owes you. Or you do stuff and you don't say it out loud, but in the back of your mind, you're expecting someone else to do something for you because you feel entitled. That's dangerous. That's not how it works. If you're not careful, you will develop a very ungrateful heart if you let pride seek in like the world owes you something. The world don't owe you anything. By the way, it's a broken world. Why would we want something from a broken world? Why do we want something from the very world that we put down all the time? Doesn't make sense. Pride. Uh, Benjamin Franklin said this. He said, a man wrapped up in himself makes a very small bundle. Yeah, buddy. What's another reason? Number three, unhealthy friendships. If you surround yourself with ungrateful people, it will impact you. I'm going to get to this later on in the message, but isn't it amazing if you hang out with a certain group of people after, the, after time you start talking like they talk? And when you get around people who are ungrateful all the time, <laughs> all of a sudden things start coming out of your mouth. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that when you hang out with the right people, how you're full of hope and joy? You, you get ungrateful if you get around the wrong people. We know... 1 Corinthians 15, 33, be not deceived, evil company corrupts good character. Number four, it's a tough one. Habit of being ungrateful. I'm sorry, negative. They got a habit of it. Have you noticed that the word thank and the word think come from the same root word? Did you know that? I didn't know that. I learned that because I ain't that smart, but I did learn it. It comes from the same word. You see, if you have developed a habit of negativity, you will have to be intentional about breaking the habit of negativity. And the way that you do that is by being intentional about meditating on and thinking on the goodness of God. See, when it comes to our thoughts, it's really where the battle starts, right? For as a man thinks, so is he. You will never outdo the wrong person in your mind that you think of all the time. You have to begin to change that. One person said, gratitude is riches. Complaint, poverty. Number five, circumstances. Uh Uh-oh. This one is the big one. Wouldn't it be funny if I said that about all those points, by the way? And you're like, wait a minute, I thought you said the first one was, and the second one was, and the third one was. But circumstances. We allow life to dictate our thankfulness. When life is bad, got nothing to be thankful for. We get lost in the little things. See it time and time again, right? Man, we've been going through the Bible for a whole year. How many times did the children of Israel become unthankful, ungrateful, and turn from God over and over and over and over? So for some of us, the greatest lesson we're going to learn from the year of the Bible is don't be like the children of Israel. A lot to that, but very unthankful. 
I've read this story before, but I think it really paints a really good point. And I'm going to bring this to a close. Corey Ten Boom in The Hiding Place relates to an incident in which she was taught a, a principle of thankfulness. She and her sister Betsy had just been transferred to the worst German prison camp that they had seen, Ravensbrück, or Bruck, depending on how you say it. Upon entering the barracks, they found themselves extremely overcrowded and flea-infested. Their scripture reading that morning in 1 Thessalonians had reminded them to rejoice always, to pray constantly, and to give thanks in all circumstances. Now, Betsy told Corey to stop and thank the Lord for every detail of their new living quarters. Corey at first flatly refused to give thanks for the fleas, but Betsy persisted. Can I just say everybody needs a Betsy in their life? I just, the way it sounds, it sounds good. So during the months spent at the camp, they were surprised to find how openly they could hold Bible study and prayer meetings without guard interference. It was several months later when they had learned that the guards would not enter the barracks because of the fleas. Isn't that funny? It's because of the thing that they could have been unthankful for that actually kept them from being killed, which allowed them to pray and to read the Bible and to share the gospel with who knows how many others. Man, it's the same way in life, guys. You can let life happen to you or you could happen to life. I won't get like my TED talk on here or anything like that, but listen, you can have the greatest life that you want. But I'll tell you one thing you're going to have to do. You're going to have to stop blaming your circumstances. Come on, let's be real. Come on, be real with yourself. You have so many things to be thankful for, amen? But don't you also have so many things to be upset over? I'm glad you were more quieter there, but if you're honest, you'd say, yeah, I do. But you have a choice. You can sit back and wallow on what has been taken from you. And I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm not trying to say, man. But what I'm saying is, is if you're not careful, you will miss out on what God has for you next. See, okay, this is the moment where I kind of feel something. See, if you just sit back this Thanksgiving and this week and think about what you don't have and who's missing from the table and what's going to happen next, you're going to miss what's right in front of you, which is life, which is others. See what I'm saying? But if you sit back and you just give yourself a heart, you know, I know some people, and this is hard, I get it, so just hear my heart. I know some people because of loss, that if they have a good time, they feel guilty about it. I'm not, a, I'm not allowed to have joy again I lost I lost my marriage 
I can't be happy again. No, 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 no. Well, I lost someone. I lost a family member. I don't, I don't get to have joy. Friends, I don't know who this is for today, but if the Bible is true, and it is, right? We all know that it is. The Bible's true. If the Bible's true, yeah, there's sorrow in the night. But what's in the morning? Oh. So if night is over, I want you to hear me. If the night ended, a new day has begun. Doesn't mean I can't miss. Doesn't mean I can't love. But listen, if you don't start living your days ahead, you will miss out on the beauty of what God has for your life. We've got people all in this church that have lost parents, have lost children, have lost co-workers and friends. And yes, and listen, I feel I could speak into this. I feel I'm entitled to, okay? There, I'm entitled. I've lost, just like many of you have. And there came a point where I had to say, am I just going to sit back and just be the guy who lost a baby brother the rest of my life? Am I going to be the guy who lost my mentor to suicide? Am I going to be the guy who just wallows in it for the rest of my life? Or am I going to believe God's word to be true? I'm going to let the night end. I could still love. I could still miss. But I'm taking the joy that God promises in the morning. Am I making sense? I know I'm not speaking to everybody in this room right now, but maybe there might come a day. At some point, you, and it goes with the circumstances, you have to stop and you need to start living. And I'm going to say this very carefully, but I want you to hear me. Because if you don't, those around you are going to suffer. Because they need you. They need your love and your joy. They need your smile. You understand me? So listen to me. Don't let circumstances rob you of God's goodness. And especially as you gather around the table this week with family or friends or in whatever way that looks, don't let it rob you from what you could have or maybe even what you can start this year. I'm telling you, as much as I'm standing here today and I promise you I don't say this because I need to feel you can come look at my notes I do my notes word by word but sometimes I know when God says something and I really feel that this is a word from the Lord this morning start living again you understand I understand this might only speak to a few people in this room, but you need to start living again. 
because God's got an amazing life for you. It's not over. Something might be missing, but it's not over. You got days ahead, but I really feel like you have others looking to you and they need you to be what God has made you to be. Amen? Here's the deal, guys. I have like five more other points on how to be grateful. And I'm not giving them to you. Because if I do, we're going to be here another 30 minutes. So, I think it's actually four points if I remember right. So, I might speak it next week, which most of you will be gone because the Sunday after Thanksgiving, there's like two people in here. It's okay, I'm not mad. I'm just saying, like, you all travel. Like, it's all good. I'm just saying, like, I tell our team every single year, hey, that, the, the Sundays after Thanksgiving and Christmas, <laughs> you never know. I tell the host, I go, hey, if no one's in the sanctuary, you start. Just start talking. Uh, they'll come eventually. You can, I'll put the points online. But listen, I just really feel in my heart, some of you just start living again. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with us, text CONNECT to 805-321-1357 or visit us at slow.canyonhills.com. Until next time, have a great day and be encouraged that God is with you and for you.